0: Hello, my name is Wayne McGahey, the third host of the Lockdown Seminoles podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, and we're back again talking about another Florida State loss. Florida State lost twenty-eight to twenty-seven to Miami on Saturday, and we're going to be talking about pretty much everything from that game on this podcast. We're going to uh, get into the three players that I thought played well, the three players that I thought really need to step up their game because they not play well, and just pretty much breaking down the game as a whole. But before we get into that I want to say thank you to all of the recurring listeners, guys who have been with me since the beginning. I really appreciate all the support from you guys. If this is your first time listening, I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and if you don't know who I am, I'm the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat. I've covered Florida State each of the last 4 years. I cover football, baseball, basketball and recruiting and I have since I started as an intern with the scout.com site and olddigest.com. And I worked my way up to the publisher of that site and then got the job as the Florida State beat writer for the Tallahassee Democrat in August of 2016. And I've been in that role ever since. For football, I cover every home, away, bowl game, doesn't matter. I was in Miami Gardens this past weekend for Florida State's game against the Hurricanes I'll be you know, at home against Wake Forest and then at every other game the rest of the season if Florida State makes a bowl game, which isn't a guarantee at this point, I'll be there. I also cover every football practice, every every time Willie Taggart speaks, every time a player speaks, I'm there I'm covering it. Basketball, I cover every basketball home game as well as any basketball post game, uh, postseason games. I was out in Nashville and Los Angeles for Florida State's Elite Eight run this past year. Baseball, I cover every baseball home game as well as any postseason baseball games. I was out in Omaha for Florida State's College World Series run two years ago. And then I cover every major and minor recruiting recruiting event like the Saturday Night Live event Florida State had in July and the Junior Day events that Florida State has in late February, early March. So I have a pretty good idea about what's going on uh, around the... Three major sports and in football recruiting for Florida State, but jumping jumping right into this game, there's so much to talk about because I mean it really was a tale of two different like two halves. You know, Florida State had everything go right for it in the first half. I mean, they were looking good. The offense was moving the ball. They had good field position. Francois was playing pretty well at that point, and Florida State was moving the ball on the ground. I mean, it was. It was the best Florida State had looked all season long, like not even close. The best Florida State had looked all season long, and then it just completely fell apart in the second half. Uh, the Florida State defense played out of its mind in this game. They were phenomenal. They were great. Uh, you know, if not for two turnovers that set floor, that set Miami up inside the red zone in the span of 42 seconds... A, I mean, it was just it was a it was a great performance for Florida State defense that came in after having a really bad performance against Louisville. I mean, Miami came in averaging almost six and a half yards per play and averaged three point nine. It was a really really good performance. It was a dominant performance from the Florida State defensive line. It, I mean, it was oh boy, the Florida State defense played extremely well. Brian Burns, Marvin Wilson, you know, Fred Jones, Demarcus Christmas all played extremely well. We'll get into a couple of those guys and my three guys that played that play well against the Hurricanes. But yeah, Florida State found some they found some momentum in the first half, right? They were able to run the football. Cam Akers and Jacques Patrick were both having success in the run game. The offensive line was holding up fairly well. DeAndre Francois wasn't really um, hit too much in the first half. That obviously changed in the second half. But he wasn't really hit too much in the first half. I mean, they did end up with three sacks, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a complete jailbreak. Which against Miami's defensive line and front seven was a pretty big win for the Florida State offensive line. They started out with great field position, and it, uh, it, it really, it set Florida State up. Florida State went into the half up twenty to seven, you know, riding high, and then. You know, the second half, Florida State gives up 21 points off two turnovers and just couldn't do anything right on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it was – nothing went right. Nothing. Not a thing. It was just – it was really frustrating to watch. You're sitting there and you're watching Florida State have all the success in the first half, and they did have success despite, you know – getting good field position. That field position kind of went away in the second half. But, I mean, it, it was this game was there for the taking for Florida State. And that's why this one, I think, hurts more than the other losses. At Syracuse, you, you got blown out, right? Virginia Tech, you got pretty much blown out. Um, I know the final score was worse than what it could have been, but Florida State ended up losing that game by three touchdowns. They lost the Syracuse game by 23 points. It was, I mean, both of those games were just horrible games for Florida State. But this one, Florida State had it. They had the game in its hands and just let it slip away. And that's, I mean, you could tell that this one hurt after the game. I mean, there were there were tears being shed. You could tell that some of the players had been crying when they came in to, to talk about how the game went. There were players, I mean, they were down um, after the game. And it just... They've got to find a way yeah, we'll get into that later this week, um assuming that there is a later this week, and I can continue to record podcasts because there is a category one that's supposed to jump to category two or three hurricane coming you know coming to Tallahassee here uh here within the next couple days, so hopefully I won't lose power and I'll be able to get the rest of the podcast out this week, but we'll have to wait and see on that but man I mean Florida State had this game and just Gave it away. Like two turnovers inside the red zone and then two fourth down touchdowns, you know, where the defense had had stopped them. And then Miami was able to score on fourth down. And then, you know, Miami hit one big play. And that put them over the top. It was. I don't know. It was just. It was rough, right? But there were some positives to take away we'll get a, we'll get into those in a minute but man that's i mean this was just a rough rough game to watch in the second half in the first half i mean DeAndre Francois made a couple of correct reads in the read option game and it it turned into into big plays Florida State marched right down the field they played well and you know, they played with tempo and it, it it finally started to look like the offense was clicking in the first half they put up Twenty first half points, which against <laughs> against Miami, which was three more than they had against Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse combined in the first half. So yeah, it, it was it was looking like a completely different team from anything that we'd seen from Florida State so far, and everything was going right. I mean, Florida State wasn't committing penalties. They were playing. They were playing hard. They were playing with energy. They were getting after Miami on both sides of the ball, and. It just—I mean—they—they had total control of it, and then the second half happened. Florida State couldn't run the ball. Florida State couldn't throw the ball. The offensive line gave up some pressures. Gave up the strip sack on Francois, though. That is completely on Francois um, for not seeing the blitz coming and not getting rid of the ball. That's on him. He didn't even look over there. I've watched that play a few times now, and that—you know—that strip sack was uh, was on him. So you know, and then he threw the. The interception, which I thought was also on him, Willie Taggart has said that it's on Trey McKitty for not getting up under the offensive lineman. I do agree to that to some point, but Francois has to see that he's not getting under that and then not make that throw because he was staring him down the whole time. He didn't even see the linebacker coming over and the linebacker just stepped right in front of it. It, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a good play at all, obviously, for Florida State, and it really, that, that killed any and all momentum that Florida State had at that point. Florida State did get that momentum back on a 74-yard touchdown run from DJ Matthews. We'll get into him in just a minute, but and that put Florida State up 27-7 to in the third quarter and man, it there, I mean, there's just no other way to describe it than a complete and total collapse in the second half, and it's I, I don't think you can blame the defense at all. I don't. I mean, they, they were awesome in the second half Miami had 145 total yards in the second half. They averaged 1.2 yards per rush, and they hit one big play. yeah, Or two big plays. They hit two big plays, and one of them was when DeCaylon Brooks got matched up on athletic tight end Brevin Jordan, and he just outran him to the end zone. It was a good pass and a good play, but man, um, you know, DeCaylon Brooks should never be in that position where he has to cover an athletic tight end down the field. That's just not going to work out well for Florida State, but I mean, Miami averaged 3.7 yards per play in in the first in in the second half, and it just I mean it wasn't uh, it wasn't like the defense gave it up. I mean it was just the offense putting them in continually bad positions. But that'll do it for this first segment. We'll be back in the second segment talking about the three players that played well and the three players that I thought played poorly. But before we get into that. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there whenever the Knolls take the field. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to, and you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all capitalized, no spaces, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee, so make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help get you to your favorite live event. Thanks for sticking with me as we head into the second segment. We're going to talk about the three players that played well and then the three players that played poorly. Uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to go one and one because uh, I don't feel like talking about all the bad at one point and I don't feel like talking about all the good at one point. So we're going to start off with the good and that's DJ Matthews. Uh, special teams ended up not being great um, in, in the other phases, but man, DJ Matthews was a lightning bolt. I mean, a lightning bolt uh, for Florida State on on Saturday. It was it was extremely impressive what he was able to do. He had the seventy four yard punt return. I mean, it was Florida State's first touch punt return touchdown against an F- FBS opponent since two thousand twelve, when Tyler Hunter took one back seventy five yards against Duke. The previous um, one before that was in two thousand eleven, when when uh, Greg Reed took one back eighty three yards against Miami. So Florida State, in the past seven seven seasons, has had three punt return touchdowns, and none of them have been without, within the past six, six years before this uh, this past one from DJ. I mean, he made guys miss. He took great angles. He I mean, he's just an electrifying football player when he touches the ball, and he gave Florida State a spark that it really needed. He was key to giving Florida State a uh, good field position, in in the first half and then he had the the only touchdown for Florida State in the second half. I mean it was a it was a truly special performance for him. He won the ACC specialist of the week, not surprising at all. Uh he did have five, he led the team he led Florida State with five receptions, but he also had 15 he, 15 yards. Uh five receptions for 15 yards with a long of 19. Think about that. A long of nineteen, he had fifteen yards, which means that the other four receptions went for negative four yards. I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of screens that got blown up and stuff like that, but that's still a hilarious stat line. But he played extremely well, especially on special teams. Uh, and then going into a guy that I didn't think played well, and that's DeAndre Francois. Man, his uh, his first half performance was very good, although um. The first touchdown to Keith Gavin was excellent. The second touchdown to to Tamari Terry, he kind of threw it up in between like three or four guys, and Terry just stepped in front of the defense and then ran it into the end zone through five guys. It was a really impressive play by Tomorrow and Terry, but he, uh, yeah, he he kind he kind of struggled. Uh, he really struggled a bit in the second half. He went six for sixteen for twenty yards in an interception. He didn't have a touchdown, so it was. It was obviously not a great game for him. He continues to struggle with reads. The as I alluded to earlier, I thought that both the Florida State's turnovers were on him in the third quarter. The strip sack. I mean, he just didn't even look over. Miami was bringing was bringing three guys off the edge, and that Florida State didn't have numbers. And DeAndre didn't even look over there, didn't take the time, and didn't get the ball out of his hands quickly. And dude just made a beeline for it and took down Francois and forced the fumble. It, I mean... He, he He's played good for like two quarters at a time. He'll play good, and then he'll play poorly, and then he'll play poorly, and then he'll play good. And it's just it's so inconsistent with him. And it seems like he reverts back to not making the reads and there were times where he made the correct read in the first half, but I I no, he, he didn't make the correct reads in the second half. It was a major struggle for him and he uh he cost Florida State some points. Was, um put the defense in bad positions and it, he just he just didn't play well. One of the guys that we're gonna switch over to one of the guys that played well, and that was defensive tackle Marvin Wilson. Who was second on the team with six tackles? He had two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Marvin Wilson is an absolute monster. I don't think it's out like it's out of line to say he's the best player on Florida State's roster right now. I he's been absolutely amazing the past two games. He's getting a push against double teams, and you know, he's really I mean, he's coming into his own. He was rated as a top ten player in the country coming out of high school, and he's starting to look like it. The game is slowed down. Uh, Sloan slowed down for him, and he's he's really coming into his own as a player, and it's been really fun to watch. Uh, he's just he's a, a complete mismatch for any offensive lineman on the interior, and frankly, there are a lot of double teams out there that haven't been able to stop him. He's been able to split those and get to the quarterback. He got to Perry a few times. Um. On Saturday, and he was he was really really good, and I'm really looking forward to watching him continue to get better because I, I think we're only scratching the surface of what we can see from him going forward. He's playing like uh, like the number one defensive tackle in the country that he was coming out of high school. Then going back to uh, to a guy that I thought played played pretty poorly, and that was cornerback Kyle Myers. Myers was called for three pass interference penalties. You can argue that some of them may have been a little ticky-tack, but the awareness that he showed on those three penalties was zero. I mean, he had no idea the ball was coming. He never turned around. He just, I mean, the refs are going to call that every single time. Like, if you don't turn around and you get into a receiver, the refs are going to call it. They're going to call pass interference because it looks like you don't know what you're doing and you're floundering. And that's, I think, that's what happened with Myers. I do think that there were, you know, there there were some couple a couple ticky tack calls there. But I thought that he played, I, I just that there was no awareness there. He didn't help himself in those situations. You know, there was one time where he, if he reads it and looks back for the ball, he would have had a, a pick in the end zone. And that was after one of Florida State's turnovers. Instead, it was a first down, and Miami was able to continue the drive. And it was just a, he's been. You know, he's been much better than he was last year so far this season, but this was a rough game for him. Moving on to the last guy that I thought played well for Florida State, and that was Brian Burns, who is now tied for fourth in the country with seven sacks through six games. He had four tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pass breakup. He was all over the field. He made Nikosi Perry's life miserable for four quarters. Um, he played his tail off. He was he was good against the uh he was good against the run. I mean, it, Florida State finished the game with five sacks and thirteen tackles for loss. The defensive line, uh, well, Burns and then the defensive tackles played very well. We're still not seeing anything from the defensive ends on the other side of the field, and that's concerning because this is Burns last year. He's going to be a likely going to be a first round pick, maybe a second round pick at this point, but he, uh, you know, Burns has played played extremely well. He's played hard all season long, and it's really ston- uh, showing up in the stat sheet. And then, going back to the the final player that that I didn't think played particularly well, and that was Mike Arnold. Uh, Mike Arnold continues to struggle at at right guard. I thought that yeah you know, he uh, he had some pretty big mistakes that cost Florida State, and he's just. You know, Florida State would love to have Derek Kelly come in and play guard with Landon Dickerson uh, playing tackle, but it just that just doesn't look like it's going to happen, and it looks like Florida State's going to continue to ride with Mike Arnold throughout the, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. I still don't know why Arthur Williams isn't playing over him, because he's more athletic and knows about as much, as far as the offensive line goes, as Mike Arnold at this point, and I, I would like to see Arthur Williams get in there and, and play, but we're going to have to uh we'll have to wait and see how that goes the rest of the season. But that'll do it for segment 2 of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. And segment 3 we'll get back into the game and talk about some things that I thought Florida State did pretty well. We'll talk about how I thought the run game had a had a pretty good uh day despite only getting what 76 yards, 70 yards rushing for 70 yards. It was 103 Uh, sack-adjusted rushing yards, so not terrible. Florida State averaged, uh, did better than Miami in that category. So we'll get into that, but before we do, thanks for sticking with me as we head into the final segment of the first Locked On Seminoles podcast of this week following Florida State's 28-27 loss uh, loss at Miami where the Seminoles gave up a 20-point lead and lost by one. So, but we, we we've talked about some negative stuff. We've talked about the players that I thought played well, the players that I thought played poorly, and now it's time to get into some things that I thought Florida State did well that I think they can build on because it was, in my opinion, it was the best game Florida State played overall. You know, barring not including Francois, kind of you know really really struggling in the second half. I thought Florida State found something in the running game that they could get behind and get going because Miami's um, run defense was one of the best team was one of the best in the country coming in to uh, coming into this game. They were averaging just 2.6 yards per carry and Florida state, you know, averaged over a yard over that, which is really, really good. I mean, Miami's front seven is really, really good against the run and Florida state did a better job against uh, a better job of running the football than Miami did. So, yeah, you know, State finished with 3.8 yards per, per rush sat, uh, with when sacks were removed. Um you know, Cam Akers had four rushes of 7 yards or more. That's you know, he he, he looked the best he had all season. Uh, you know, it's there's still some issues going on with the running game and th- th- those are obviously not going to be fixed anytime soon because the offensive line, you know, is still a struggle at this point. But the offensive line did open up some holes. There were some really nice seal blocks. I thought, for the most part, Brady Scott played well in his first start at left tackle. He's, I mean, you got to remember, he was the third-string center coming into this season and has started at both right tackle and left tackle. You know, Cole Minshew is, was probably Florida State's best offensive lineman, and, you know, he he didn't play at all or practice at all during fall camp and then didn't play in the first game. He's starting to get back into playing shape. So the Florida State offensive line is getting like they got better. I, even though the numbers, you know, my Florida Miami had six sacks and twelve tackles for loss. I thought the Florida State played better on the offensive line than they had because this was by far the best opponent and the best defense that Florida State had faced, and they were able to open up some holes which hadn't been happening before the Louisville game. So the, you know, there's some uh, there's some positives there, but Acres. It, he got more upfield. He, you know, he found the holes. He he was patient. Uh, it was definitely the best that he looked. So that's something that I think Florida State can, he, can take forward and and move on with. Another thing is Wakula Zone Keith Gavin finally got the monkey off his back. Right? Yeah, he'd had like three hundred and something yards over his career, receiving yards over his career. Didn't have a touchdown. Well, he finally got his touchdown. And we'll have to see if that you know that helps him gain some confidence going forward because he finally got in the end zone. It was a huge touchdown Florida State's first drive, and it was i mean it was a big play for him and a big play for Florida State because Florida State just marched right down the field and put it in the end zone it was i mean so Florida State started off fast, which had been an issue at times this year, and yeah there's a there's something that Florida State can take away from that if, if they've yet to put together four full quarters and Willie Taggart has talked about how Florida State doesn't know how to win yet. They, and, and you go back to last year when the culture at Florida State was just so fractured that the players and the coaches were all turning on each other and giving up on each other and that happened. and the Willie Taggart's been trying to put that back together and it's just not there yet, right? It's just not there yet the the team kind of i don't want to say puckered the offense definitely puckered when it you know when it came to the second half i thought the defense played well they just gave up you know they gave up two fourth fourth down touchdowns and you know one big play where a linebacker was lined up on a tight end and that linebacker shouldn't have been because he shouldn't ever be lined up on a tight end down the field that's just not uh, not going to be successful but and then in this on defense, you know we we are we already talked about the defensive line and how how successful they were. You know I thought Dontavious Jackson played very well, and I thought the Florida State secondary for the most part played played pretty well. I mean, per- Nikosi Perry was thirteen of thirty two for two hundred and four yards. You know. 73 or 71 of those yards came on one single drive where Perry just threw a beautiful pass to Jeff Thomas in between two Florida State defenders, and then the other one was on uh, the pass to Brevin Jordan on to Kalen Brooks. But other than that, I mean, you know, P- Perry was 11 for 30 for 131 yards, I mean, it, the secondary played extremely well. The defense as a whole played very well. I can't say it enough, like how just how good I thought they were overall. You know, the one touchdown that they got on fourth down, was six foot five receiver Lawrence Cager matched up against Asante Samuel. Samuel won the first rep on third down. They went back to Cager. He couldn't win the second. You know Samuel's five ten, maybe five eleven at best, going up against five rece- a six five receiver, and he won it fifty percent of the time. I mean that's just going to happen. Guy from Miami made a play. On the second touchdown, you had A.J. Westbrook matched up on one of the fastest wide receivers in college football, Jeff Thomas, which is obviously not ideal. Uh, Thomas got away with a little bit of a push-off there and found the end zone. So it was, you know, Miami's, Miami didn't, I I don't believe that Miami, like, took control of that game and went. They made the plays when they needed to. But if Florida State doesn't make major mistakes, multiple major mistakes. I mean, you look at the final drive where <clears throat> Logan Tyler punts the ball to the middle of the field, and the entire Florida State special teams unit is running down the left side. They're running down the left side. The dude's in the middle of the field. And now everybody has to chase, and he gained like 40 yards with nobody even close to him. It was just you know, just mental mistakes that Florida State made that cost them this game because Florida State had it in hand and they lost it. I it's I mean it that is what it is. Now Florida State's heading into the bye week 3 and 3. We've got a hurricane coming. Don't even know if they'll be able to practice at this point right now. We don't know if they'll be able to practice the rest of the week. So, I mean, the campus is closed from Tuesday to next Monday. So, we'll have to wait and see if Florida State can even practice and use this bye week and see how that goes, but They've got to avoid letting this loss fester because they were clearly hurt after the way the the game ended, and then they've got Wake Forest coming up next week. But we'll be back tomorrow talking about you know what the uh, what the offensive players have to say, assuming that there's practice. If there's not practice, we'll be talking about My- the Miami game again and what where Florida State can go from here, and some stuff that uh, maybe some 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 positives that Florida State had during you know during the first six weeks. There's not many, but there's, there's some positive things that Florida State's done. But for the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I really appreciate you guys sticking with me all the way through this one. I really appreciate you guys sticking with me As um, for the daily podcast. It's it's 30 minutes long. You know, we do it Monday through Friday. And as long as my power is on, I'll be continuing to do that this week. But until uh, until tomorrow... For the Locked On Seminoles podcast, I'm Wayne McGahee. Have a wonderful day.